Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim. It feels a little bit surreal, weird to say that because Datuk Seri Anwar Ibrahim has been the what I who I termed as the longest serving prime prime minister in waiting in the world. He has wanted this position, he has been open about it since probably 1993, even earlier than that possibly. And finally we are here. We do have a prime minister Anwar Ibrahim. And what does that mean for Malaysia? And that is what we are going to discuss today with three Malaysian academics, journalists, observers. Uh, the three of them are all Malaysians. They are based in Australia. And this, is, this episode is in collaboration with the Malaysian Singapore Society of Australia. The three of them together with me, we are part of the association. And today we will be discussing what Prime Minister Ten and, and the entire coalition, the entire electoral scene, what it portends for Malaysia. So welcome to episode 54. So I will get them in. We let's start. Let's start with the with the ultimate question, right? So the the election it was clearly a a rejection of Amno and Barisan National, right? They were the biggest losers in that election, and right after that they became the kingmakers, and Datuk Sri Zaid Hamidi he became the deputy prime minister. How is that? My first question to the three of you is. How is that not a betrayal of the people's trust? Who would like to go first? <laughs> okay. Greg, you can go okay. first. And thanks, and Ken, um, and then Jason. Yeah. Well, good evening, everyone. Um, let me preface uh, my responses uh, with, with some assumptions that I make um, uh, in all my analysis, basically. Um, so, individual. Uh, individuals have self-interest. Um, individuals forming communities have self-interest. And when these individuals and communities uh, compete for, for power resources, uh, conflicts happen. And the nature of these conflicts lead to certain structures or institutional arrangements that, that try to ameliorate uh, these conflicts um, so, and therefore they become stable uh, until certain things happen. Um, otherwise, there is a part dependency uh, that, that it continues until certain things, you know, critical junctures happen. And then uh, individuals um, using their agency or, or groups uh, using agency either continue that path or, or shift those paths into uh, new structures or create new structures. So I, uh, it has been elaborated better by Professor Clive, Kess Clive Kessler. Uh, and I would lean on also to pro Professor, Professor Anthony Milner um, who, who in 2013 shared with me that, I guess born out of his thesis, uh, Karajaan, that the ultimate power in Malaysia are the sultans, uh, you know, the, the royal families. Uh, they are the ultimate power. Uh, I have in my conception of them, which, is, um, which I'm working on, they are the key veto players. There are other veto players, uh, but they, they sit at the apex of power in Malaysia. 
Now, so when we look at it this way, you're absolutely right that that uh, the people have been betrayed, but they have been betrayed in many different ways. The electoral system itself is a betrayal of the whole notion that one person has one vote. You know that systematically Malaysians, by and large, or, or a large number of Malaysians have been betrayed over the years. But this takes it to a new height. Uh, and it, it proves in, in, in many ways, and what Professor Clive Kessler said that the, the, the monarchs seeing perhaps their interests being challenged in a very existential way, namely that past can now say uh, that the people are with us uh, and not with you, the defenders of the faith. Uh, uh, the, the royal families quickly came together and, <laughs> and they had the, some form, they had mm. some legitimacy. You know, PH was still the, 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 the biggest coalition in a plurality. Uh, and then, uh, uh, you know, how Prakata how National so rudely in, in Malay culture, so rudely uh, uh, democratically right, but very rudely dismissed the idea uh, uh, by the none other than the Agung himself, I, I guess, played into the hands of uh, uh, Pakatan Harapan and Barisan National. So betrayal at one le level, but intrinsically, it just fit how Malaysia, how decisions are made in Malaysia. That's my Right. Okay. Okay. That's that's very interesting because you're pinning in your answer, you're pinning this on the Sultan and not on no. Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim himself. Okay. Okay. So Kian and then uh, and then uh, I, I just think that's all terribly neat and tidy and not reflecting the reality of the messiness of what has been about twenty plus years. And I think you give a bit too much credit. To the likes of, you know, Anthony Milner's, I think, somewhat hokey old theory about the despondency, despair, and perhaps the drive of, you know, this feudal order, which in some ways really has been revived and, you know, stepped back in, one could argue, with some evidence, after a collapse of, you know, the previous government, uh, the previous Pakatan Harapan government, and where much of that type of democratization got discredited. And in a way, uh, you also had the perfect storm of, of a pandemic and a need for you know, governance to work in whatever way that was possible to deliver uh, to, to you know, a frightened yet or frightened populace, but that's not unusual. It happened across the world. You know, governance was called into question everywhere, not just Malaysia. So I, I think uh, Clive, I think, uh, most recent article that was published on Asia Link Insights is probably much closer, better approximation of what I think is the truth and what is more correct in terms of how uh the 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 so-called feudal order was part of this element uh and i 
I don't think it's so easy to say it's a betrayal. Betrayal of what exactly? I think a lot of I think people also underestimate the agency of Malaysian people. Uh, I think it sort of to me reminds me of the introduction that I'd written to our book um, Rebirth, where talking about G fourteen and something that became very clear with lots of voters across the country then hoping and voting for change and getting that change that they didn't expect anything more than what was you know what political scientists might consider only a short term middle term sort of perspective they expected betrayal they expected broken promises but at the same time as was apparent through the pandemic and through the you know black flag you know the uh, uh, saga of the kita jaga kita hashtag era of a uh, faith in your neighbors and your neighborhood to bail you out of tough conditions that Malaysians themselves i think are quite adept and understand that they can only rely on themselves to some extent uh i know there's a bit of a paradox because at the same time people say you know Malaysians expect a lot from their uh, government and therefore they feel you know let down or whatever but i think people underestimate Malaysians and their resilience and i think they also underestimate the Malaysian electorate's now in voting for what they've got now and to some extent i think the evidence is increasingly showing that there has been a compounding of that protest vote against amno against what has been resoundingly you know two elections in a row now a vote against um corruption and a lack of integrity there's there is clearly um a demand or desire for better integrity in politics uh the question is how do you right. get there who articulates it the best and you know elections are one snapshot in time i think uh but they but they right so why based based on on that why wouldn't the doesn't that contradict the earlier part of your answer why wouldn't that be a betrayal if what i mean would it be fair to say that zaid hamidi in amno now represents what the people were rejecting and he got the most coveted position sure right? would, sure would, i think i, th- I think i think no, i think it's sense? fair yeah. that many people feel very let down if you followed you know uh, social media sort of commentary especially uh, the malay language social media um there's there are a lot of long standing hardcore pkr supporters that i know who feel that that's a big letdown at the same time i think we underestimate a lot of people's understanding of how they also understand politics is in many ways trying to deliver in you know a very difficult messy reality and a lot of people right. will have gone through right. excuse me for saying this but they've gone through a lot of shit over the last you know two plus years and people are traumatized but they also know at the end of the day they need better governance government has a critical role but again malaysia's 
it's not unique in this. We see this worldwide. Of so, course. So I think um, to play around with a lot of the theoretical models, I think it's useful. But at the end of the day, it's overly simplistic. Right. So is it? So uh, I, I'll get to Jason and Noel, right? Because this is not, uh, I guess, not about Kessler or about Milner, right? Because this was the entire basis of Anwar Ibrahim's campaign, right? His song was about a rejection of the robbers of Anwar. Anwar Ibrahim always has a, a campaign song, right? And this time it was explicitly about that. And when it came to light that while he was singing that song, he actually had done deals with the ultimate robber, quote-unquote, himself, right? Um, what, where does that... I guess the entire, the entire reason for voting for Pakatan has been, oh, it's about, it's about the moral ground, right? But they have ceded that entirely, right, in the past two years, especially with this, with Zaid. Even if they had uh, allied with Amno and they say it's a necessary evil, whatever that is, surely a precondition would be that Zaid Hamidi cannot be in the cabinet or something like that. But even then, they capitulated, right? So ultimately, is PM10 any different from uh, any other opportunistic political actor that we have seen? Not just in Malaysia, but any, well, anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, Jason, quickly, far be it for can. me to defend PM10 and his cabinet and this new government. But I think the facts bear out that this is a differently motivated government than the previous two in the last two, three years. Okay? It also is different from a BN government of the Najib and before era. I don't think anyone has grounds to say this is the same old, same old. Really. Come on. The fact that the, 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 there is a Borneo block of a substantial, they have a far more substantial sort of say right now there is far more ground being made now about the MA63 agenda. How can that be the same as before? So the ends justify... Isn't that politics in saying. Malaysia? Or actually much of the region? No, that, no, that, no that, that can be the case, right? But the problem is, I suppose, right, what I've seen from uh, academics and civil society in general, they are... I can imagine if PN had done that, there is no way people would justify it in the way that it's being justified. Absolutely no. Even before the government was formed, you saw people softening the ground for a Zaid Hamidi, like, and people were saying, Anwar had no choice. What? Was there a gun to his head? Well, there was. Like, well, there was. Well, he made uh, that choice. There was. He made that choice. Jason, I think Jason wants to say something, yeah. but I'd like to respond to the both of you sure, sure, um, yeah. uh, with my neat theoretical models. But Jason, <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think I bring in a uh, very different perspective here because I live on the ground um, and I, I'm observing. I've been observing the people, talking to the people, especially the uh, the non Malay Muslim crowd. I've been talking to them and hearing what they have said. And to go back to Wally's original question, there, there certainly there are several layers of betrayal, depending on who you, you talk to. Um, first of all, especially in the 
Chinese community, let's just start with the Chinese community, right? Or as a non-Malay Muslim community, there is a sort of celebration that, yes, once again, it, you know, we rejected BN, we rejected the Mohidin's, uh, uh, you know, Malay Muslim crowd, and especially PAS. Actually, the, the biggest enemy at that time for a lot of non-Malay Muslims was, was PAS. It wasn't Mohidin, it wasn't Amno. Hmm. I mean, if you remember the, the, the things that come up from DAP was we're willing to work with anyone. Of course, uh, you know, BN, I'm not, especially I'm not rejected outright. No, we're not going to work with you regardless, right? But yet, you know, you see Anwar sort of, and not just Anwar, but DAP putting that olive branch out in case. I feel that they knew something was going on. I mean, probably I'm wrong, I'm not, but, but I'm talking about grassroots reactions, right? When Pakatan failed to capture the kind of, uh, what do you call that, majority they enjoyed back in 2018, uh, there was a fear. There was a fear. And then Mohidin's pre-M announcement, oh, we got everybody on our side, we're going to reform the government. There was panic. To be honest, there was mass panic. People were making memes, bad jokes, or whatever you call it. I mean, they were fearing that, oh, God, we're going to become an Islamic nation, regardless. Everybody was, you know, all the conspiracy theories were coming out of woodwork, right? And then we see that the horse trading, as I call it. And but on the other hand, as Greg has pointed out, and also I think Kian has pointed out, it is a rejection of of BN, right? For for whatever for what it is, the first thing is like you said, or well, you guys said, is the rejection of the robbers. You know, they want they want the Panyamun out out of out of power, but yet. When the numbers came about, numbers number of, of parliament seats, right? Nobody had majority, and that, that was when the, the panic starts to set in. Right? Everybody start making uh, announcements, and then there are counter announcements, and this and that. You know, um, it got to a point where, for the the grassroots, especially the non-Malay Muslim community, it's like anything, anything, but pass. It's fine. Anything but pass. So when talks come about where you know our picture showed up where the Pacific Hotel or I forgot what sorry Pacific Hotel where they had this had this meeting yeah. you know shaking hands and all that right it was it went viral everybody said oh good we're gonna have have the mood is like oh we're gonna have a government that's non fast that that was all in people's mind right it's not about right. rejection of well, I mean everybody knows Zahid you know they did dislike Zahid I mean, to be honest the Especially the Chinese community had a very, very intense dislike of anything Amno, especially Zahid, right? Vikas Young going number two, okay, but different story. <laughs> but <laughs> um, <laughs> so when that when that talk came about, people were started to 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 talk to say, okay, w- there is a chance to capture Patrajaya without past participation. Uh, to be honest, there are a significant uh, uh, members of the non-Malay. Muslim community saying Muhini is not bad, but it's just too bad he's with past, so we have to reject him. So that's right. So when the government was formed between you know Bakatan with with Amno and then plus the Borneo block, I, I the the people don't see that. I mean, especially for the non-Malay Muslim community, it's not a betrayal. Like like you like what what you say was it's a necessary evil, and the people were okay with that. There was no like right. protest or at least there was no. So basically, the what you are saying is the people, the non-Malay community, would have been okay with any form of government, any way it was formed, That's as long right. as it didn't That's include right. us. Which is why, 
when when Sabah and Sarawak jumped over and formed the government, they they were cheering. People were happy. You know, it's better than World Cup to be honest. So so you, okay, I know sacrilege, but. Because Malaysia why, didn't qualify. Why. I know it's sacrilege. Like Greg's <laughs> gonna give me a hard time. But anyway, but my point is, you know, uh, I mean, living here on the ground during election day, you know, that observing all this, right? I, I, I see that people say, you know, it's fine. So there was not really a betrayal. But and then when when Muhyiddin rejected Agong's call for right. for you know unity government, there was actually I mean, figuratively speaking, handcuffing. Good Anwar had a chance. So there was the whole thing. Right. So, so okay. Right. So, yeah. so I, I, I completely get yeah. it. I mean, this is real yeah, politics. Real politics right? yeah. This is real politics. So, but can you can you see how someone, a conservative Malay who conservative Muslim who rejected Amno, okay. looks at this okay. entire situation, and looks at how how you guys are justifying or rationalizing the the situation, and look, these guys have been yeah. moralizing yeah. this whole while. They've been talking about principles all this while. But the first opportunity they had to get power, all the morals so, and principles went out of yeah, the so, I, like I think you've yeah. forgotten something here. Amno was in power for the last two governments, by the way. So, and the last yes. prime minister and the last those prime were not minister elected. was an Amno prime minister. Those were not elected. Yes. And, and, but those were not and elected. there is no Amno There's prime minister this time. This. Yeah. So... Can, 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 uh, can I? Can you, I? Go ahead, go ahead, Jason. Sorry, I want okay, because I, I also spoke with yeah. with my my Malay Muslim friends, right? Whose family members are hardcore Amno supporters and some are hardcore Pas supporters, and they spoke to me that why there was a mass vote for Pas, as as many of you have spoken in many places and heard many times, it was a mass rejection of Amno, right? Najib's uh, conviction was was part one of of a Rejection. They were, they were right. Part two was to reject right. Zahid when he got out of, uh, of of conviction. So they said, well, since right. he, well, the, the idea, the attitude was that since Zahid got away with it, that means the other Amnos, Amno capital crowds are going to get out, get, get away with it. So why not punish them through the vote? So it's not a matter of they truly buy into past's uh, agenda or, or, or political aims. It's about punishing Amno. Is this is what the, the this is what they told me. Exactly. Oh, sorry, Greg, you can go ahead. So, and, and that was G14's yeah. lesson, by the way. Yes, correct. So, I agree. So, just to, to plan uh, to the point that I want to make. Um, so, okay, disclaimer, uh, or the, the words that I'm using, uh, it's not a legal, you know, I'm not using it from a legal sense or uh, sure. has any normative value to it. I'm, I'm just stating facts. And yes, I, I use need, I, I use models, uh, must be my training as an economist. Um, and for me, the, the, the players are not important. I'm talking about structures over time. Okay. So now point number one, um, the malicious political system is essentially based on racism and corruption. The distributional coalition that brings together elites of ethnic groups uh, and then distribute the resources through through some formula that that's essentially Barisan national okay 
It is a state that has been created by the British imperialists to serve their purpose, and they chose these elites. So in the first instance, the formation of Malaysia was never about the Malaysian people. It was to protect colonial interest and their representatives in Malaysia. Now they've taken their own, their own trajectory. But the point I'm making, uh, so I'm looking at the, uh, the superstructure. There are nuances, you know, the, the kind that, that Ken is making. I'm saying people are always betrayed. When the Kelantan uh, State Assembly emergency uh, was declared and overturned democratically elected representatives, betrayal, Sarawak, removal of the chief minister, betrayal, Sabah, the politics, uh, you know, the Swart Stevens and so forth. This is betrayal. Betrayal has been part and parcel of Barisan. Sheraton. Sheraton. But throughout... Malaysian history. If you read Tun Razak's <laughs> books on Tun Razak, how he, you know, coerced people for after six, 69 was a betrayal. Okay, uh, the socialist competed in an already unfair system and did well, and the the results were nullified. So betrayal is part and parcel of right. Malaysia's political system. Okay, that, and that is the point I'm trying to make, which. You know, Milner has a view that who makes decisions ultimately is not the people of Malaysia. Now, if they vote a particular way and it is what the people in power want, okay, then it is justified. Okay, then this is. But when the people in power don't like what is happening, then they, make, they will make the call. They will declare emergency. They will do all sorts of that. So that's how I see betrayal. And this leads to... What I'm trying to say, there are veto players at the top. There is a superstructure. GPS sub Sarwa coming in in a in a in, you know now if you look at the number of prime minister uh, ministers and deputy prime ministers, huge number. They are not going to change the way Malaysia is governed. That's the point that you can bring. You can have a Sarawakian prime minister. He will not change the way Malaysia is governed. That's what I'm, I'm trying to say. There is an idea of Malaysia, how right. it is governed. And the elections are a facade that, that's, that you know, it's, it's a way for Malaysians to vent. And then decisions are made by those right at the pinnacle of power into a way that they see Malaysia. Now, it's not static. It is changing as we can see this. And that's where the competition among these veto players will then change the nature of, of, of how, what the people want will change. That's all uh, I, I'm, I'm saying. So betrayal part and parcel of Malaysia. There is no moral politician in Malaysia. Please pass moral. <laughs> Give me a break. The, the system is based on corruption and racism. They're not in a dirty way, but it's a but you see yeah. you see you see it's 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 half an hour in right i mean it's it's well established amno and barisan is is corrupt it's well established past is the butt of jokes and memes it's well established but i i get a hesitancy on the part of civil society and academics to be even critical of anwar ibrahim especially now right is it because they see oh there is as jason said 
or pass is a bigger enemy. So they will always talk about pass. Even when Amno, uh, Anwar was appointing Zahid, they were concerned about what some pass MP was saying somewhere rather than the ultimate choice, right? So is that is that uh, do you think that hurts the Malaysian government, hurts Malaysian civil society, right? Even people whom 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 came on my show and said something else, uh, they were preparing the ground for uh, DPM Zahid just before he was appointed. So, uh, is that is that an ideal state of civil society, or is civil society just carrying water for? I I used to think they used to carry water for anything non amno but it seems like they're carrying carrying water I, for I, anything. I, I want to maybe probably add in to the to the depression train. <laughs> I, I think it is, in, in a way, Malaysian society, from what I observe, is that we are kind of, like say, real politics, right? And you're right. You know, as long as their golden child gets elected, it doesn't matter. It can do no wrong. And you're right. There's a hesitancy to criticize Anwar. You can see, read it in the news. You can see other people's attitude. No one is openly, you know, blasting Ismail Sabri or even Muhyiddin back then, you know. Uh, if I want to, if you, if you allow me to, to draw another example, which is not really exactly, but okay. Sure. When, when, when Lim Guan Eng was chief minister, if you talk to people from, from Penang, they will have a lot of things, negative things to say about him. But yet, you see civil society doesn't say much about him. They praise him, say, oh, look at uh, Penang, you know, well run and clean whatsoever. But you say, oh, no, really, there's corruption. There's a lot of hanky-panky going on. There's a lot of nonsense that shouldn't happen, you know. And, you know, you hear people talk about arrogance, the, the arrogance of, uh, of DAP, which, which I observe firsthand. So it's, it's the same thing. It seems to me like suddenly, you know, the, 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 the black horse has gotten power. And then everybody's like, okay, you know, we shouldn't criticize them. Give them chance. But yeah, I think, you know, if we... If we if if civil society is not allowed to, to point there's an issue with, with the elected leaders, then it's not, it's not true democracy anymore, right? And yes, I, I think that people are giving, putting too much on Anwar's plate. They expect him to fix everything. They expect Superman, right? He's not. He's mortal. Mm. And I can tell you, he's not infallible. And he will screw up eventually. He will fail eventually. Not say fail completely, but you fail somewhere along the line. It is it's inevitable. It's human. So but maybe I'm 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 a pessimist, but hey, you know, this is this is probably uh, I'm I'm probably one of those people who 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 are not, especially in the non-Malay Muslim community, who don't see anything wrong with, with Pakatan. There is an issue. When Pakatan was in power, there were so many issues. You know, people seem to have short-term memory or selective amnesia. I'm going to use a more political right term. So I I think. You know, um, I, I, I kind of disagree with Greg saying that it's a way to vent <laughs> and then the, power, the one calling the shots at the top. At the top. I, I think people do feel empowered after two elections, 14 mm. and 15, where they, they can change government. So, right, right. Long story short, I, I think right. people are still expecting things to change. But yeah, I think it, it, they're, they're putting, they're, they're counting their, their chicks before the exit catch. Right. I, I, I think also, I mean, just to lift the spirits a little, right? it's been a depressing 35 not, years. Not, not from me, not <laughs> from me. I think, I think you guys are confusing <laughs> a couple of issues here. We get confused about this issue of, you know, the shortcomings of civil society, not criticizing or whatever. 
I think one, one thing that civil society, and presumably you want to boil this down to those interested in policy development, policy wonkishness, um, policy implementation, uh, people interested in notions of good governance, all of that matters a lot more with something of the hope and potential that Anwar Ibrahim's government promises, unlike the previous recent two. Uh, the other thing... But what's, what's the evidence there, for look, that? If the first piece no, is to look, bring Zahid... There, has, there, there at least is now a possibility of discussing in as rational and evidence-based way as possible to develop better policy. It's as basic as a lot of Malaysians uh, who, who I interact with online, talk to, have known, and I think outside the Klang Valley as well, uh, which is quite, quite important, uh, who have quite uh, circumspect ambitions for this government. They're not going to say, look, you know, we expect the sun, the moon, the rainbow at the end with the pot of gold. I don't think anyone's expecting that. This is where, again, I think a lot of pundits might underestimate the smartness of the Malaysian electorate. I reckon there are a hell of a lot of right. more smarter Malaysians out there in the small towns, the Felda settlements that I've met than personally for me that I've met in the so-called Bangsa bubble. Fast smarter people I've met in right. Tamolo, well, in Rao, in Kulim. Yeah. And, you know, absolutely these agree. folks I've spoken to since, you know, on the phone. I was just talking to someone in Rao uh, 10 days ago. But, you know, what do they feel? They, they, they were running a frozen yogurt shop. You know, they, they, they're now just small business, you know, running around town. And I wrote about them briefly in our book as well. Um, two young women, one Melayu, one very China, okay? Both met at UPM, went into business together. You know, how's it all feel? Again, they're so, so damn pragmatic. Got to hand it to them. Early 30-something. So pragmatic. They're saying, what to do? Give chance lah. You know, everyone's had a pretty crap two-plus right. years of pandemic lockdowns and closures. Let's not underestimate the trauma that lots of people have felt. Um, it's right. serious. But, 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 but with, uh, so I, 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 I'm not questioning the Malaysians' intelligence. I, I never did that. What I was going to say also, what Malaysians have, Malaysia has done is incredible. Two peaceful uh, democratic uh, turnovers. That's, that's something to be celebrated. I do not uh, underestimate the rationality of the Malaysian voter. I know Malaysian voters are extremely smart, extremely pragmatic. That is not the point of the question. The point of the question is it's about yeah, the Pakatan me... Harapan government. No, no. How they be... Oh, but, now, but, but this is the, the thing. Has been made, but, no, but this is the, the thing about the government. These folks, including these two young women I spoke to, you know, 10 days ago, were just saying, look, not even a month in government. What do you want? What do you want? No, uh, well, I mean, I, well, I think it's fair to say that we no. wouldn't want so Zahid as that's, a that's not even minister. the issue, Walid. Yeah. No, uh, not the issue. You think you think that was now at all? voters for, uh, want something to address bad business conditions, bad confidence, basic things like actually getting government to work again. Mm -hmm. so, you you uh, you think these people haven't been you know 
disadvantaged over the last two years? It, it, it doesn't even matter whether it was Malayu, China, the, India here, you know? The, yeah, okay, so so maybe yeah, let's yes. let let Greg make his point and then and then I'll respond. Yeah, yeah. So carry on, carry on. You have you have made a very important point. Uh, not so much for Malaysians, in my view, because as I've explained, betrayal is you know Malaysians are used right. to betrayal. Okay, they they have a long memory. They are used. I call to it broken promises myself. Yeah, but or, anyway, or, yeah. Or, 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 yeah. But your question is very important to the international community. If a Malaysian leader cannot be trusted, cannot be held to account for his campaign promises, how in heaven's name am I going to trust anything he says? Okay? But, but here is the, the context, and I, I, you, you have to understand this also. Perikatan National, Muhyiddin and Pass were the first betrayers in the short period of time. The Sheraton move was, was is in, perhaps in many people's view, is even worse than uh, or, or equivalent, you know, uh, a democratically elected government. First in, first in history, Malaysia became the talking point in a world where democratic backsliding was happening. Yep. An Islamic government, uh, an Islamic party a uh, blood and soil Malay party overthrew or internal coup of a democratically elected multiracial party, but still Muslim majority in, in every sense of the word. So that is the book. And, 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 and was part, part of, of that betrayal, betrayal wasn't yeah. it? So. Yeah. That's so double that, betrayal on Amno's part. If that is going to be, I guess, I guess this this is the part I don't I don't understand. Right? Why why the hesitancy yeah, just to this, say that? Yes, that was. I mean, is there is there no other option other than no, and, PH and, and, and Zahid is, as is the, the deputy prime minister and MPN? Sixty years of 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 nation building in Malaysia, and this is the Muslim leaders we produce: Anwar Ibrahim, Zahid. Ismail Sabri, Muhyiddin Yassin, Mahade, Abdul Hadi Awang. Remember, Abdul Hadi Awang is the guy who brought schism in the Malay community like no other Muslims had brought, you know, with that Amanat Hadi. You know, 60 years of, of this, you know, supposed to become this great Bawasan Goklo, and these are the five, six Malay leaders that we have. That is, for me, the bigger challenge that Malaysia has to face. Are there no other young, capable Malays? We know Malays have to lead Malaysia. That, you know, we're okay with that. But can we develop better Malays? You know, can we create cis -politi political parties, create better systems where, you know, decent Malay leaders can come up rather than this, you know, Anwar Ibrahim, Mahadir, Mohidin, people with and Hadi Awang, terrible records. How is it that they are leaders of this party? That's the first question. Of course, then when you put this up, what option do the Malaysians have? And then after that, you have the people at the pinnacle of power right. making choices. Uh, you know, the Agong chose Muhyiddin back then, part of with past. Now the Agong said, okay, <laughs> show something else. So this is the bigger issue. If you have a leader like Anwar Ibrahim who cannot be counted on, and then, you know, how will Malaysia interact with the global community? That, that for me, is a serious, a serious issue. 
we need a, a better way to find okay. better so, leaders. So, so, so let's let's move ahead, and I think that's a good segue, right? So, what would success look like to you for this government? Well, you can say, okay, this government has done well enough. So, by the time the next election, if so, the government yeah, lasts until the next for election, me, uh, I'm, uh, I'm on record, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, with Masa, I, I doubt I'm on record, and I'm happy to go on record to say I don't think Anwar will last long, uh, despite his uh, two-third majority. Uh, and that's because the structure of politics in Malaysia. <laughs> you know, it's not about serving society. Uh, it's about power. Uh, and there is a facade. I mean, we've seen the amount of betrayal. And then once the people leave, the kind of stories they tell, they say, how did these guys ever sit next to each other? And how are they working together again? You know? uh, so, luckily, I didn't, I didn't say that. I always say that he was corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, success, not for me, but success for this unity government is if they can reach... Like, like last until so the last election. until the next election, uh, right? I think I think there is, there is a um, there is an expectation that this unity government will crumble before six months. To be honest, there, there's an expectation among the, oh, the wow. uh, what you call the um, non-Malay Muslim community. Like, I mean, I, these are the people that I interact most with, and even the even among the Malay friends, I said they said well. Just like what, what Kian said. Yes, some of them do say, give chance, give chance. But, but there is an underlying, to me, like the people I talk to, there is an underlying sort of like, uh, we, we, pessimism, yeah, pessimism. that's a better word for it. You know, they, they, don't, they don't want to put too much hope. And it has to do with the betrayal in the, uh, the G14. And so they, they, everybody is like waiting for another Sheraton move version 2 or 3 or whatever you want to call it. And they're waiting for something to happen you know everybody's waiting for the other show to drop to be honest hence why i say he's gonna screw up he as in Anwar Ibrahim, and somebody's gonna come in and swoop in and, and take the reins again and i may not go as far as greg but i i do think something something is going to happen it could come from amno i don't know it could come from basatu as so far i haven't seen the signs. maybe I, i'm missing something but what what i understand is that the people are waiting for waiting for something of shattering happen, and by when that happens, nobody's going to be surprised. Everybody's like, "Okay, well, back to square one." Then you know. So they... if if Amno uh, decides that the top two posts for their party elections are not to be contested, would would you guys be okay with that? Very bad idea. Yeah, it's a very bad idea. Yeah, you think it's a bad because idea? Because yeah? I think uh, it would. Basically, call Zahid's bluff uh, in that you know he has been the one postponing and postponing any day of reckoning within the party, and he is the one who is in the most precarious position, arguably, out of all of those in this unity government. And he needs to gain some legitimacy. Don't forget, he only won his seat. On what? 350 votes? Mm -hmm. There about? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Barely, yeah. yeah? Barely. Mm -hmm. So he, he is really in no position to, you know, delay a contest. If anything, he should contest it. And perhaps, you know, in the tradition of many um, such uh, government politicians, 
use his government position to ensure that he wins uh and th- th- this is this is part of the game that they these guys will have to play but yes definitely not contesting those positions not a good idea and definitely not good for stability of a unity government yep and yep. my my point um, so again <laughs> you know structure critical path dependence critical juncture agency all malaysian political parties are undemocratic anwar ฉันไม่คิดว่าจะเอาเอ่อวิกัสยอมอะไรก็ได้ครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับครับคร
two years, and I think they get a lot of stick. There were a lot of things that institutional reforms that they did try to implement. In some some matters, they did implement um, that were, were that were really good. Uh, so, do you guys see any such very very feasible, uh, very visible yeah, barometer criticism of, earlier of civil of success? Society, um, again, you right. need to understand civil society. As I said, um, it for the longest time it was almost a hegemonic. Um, you know, so civil right. society had very little right, space, right. and you know there was almost like a strategy. There were those on the outside who would make, money, and there were those right. in the inside who would make. Civil society was tied, was tied to, the to the opposition before, right? Before twenty eighteen, but now so, the opposition so, is in government. So. From reformacy, civil society became part of reformacy as they saw that this was the best way. Uh, so civil society becoming now advocates part of the political uh, movement, which then led to 2018. And and one of uh, of the uh, problems then was that almost all of civil society went into government and then creating a, a vacuum mm. in civil society. Now, uh, uh, civil society in Malaysia, by and large, now take the incremental approach. Uh, so as Ken mentioned, uh, you know, I remember talking to a South Korean trade negotiator uh, uh, in an earlier life working on trade negotiations. And the U.S., when they were signing a U.S. trade agreement, uh, uh, free trade agreement with, with the U.S., the U.S. really screwed them. <laughs> and then I asked South Korea, why don't you fight back? <laughs> he said, isn't that, it's a question of options. We don't have much options. We need the U.S. to help us against North Korea, okay, and China and Japan, okay. So we know we we have the human capital to compete in the economic sphere, no matter how challenging the requirements were. But without the U.S., we are we are not going to to be able to withstand North Korea, China. Uh, so, so this comes to that earlier point. We can. We can work with the corrupt <laughs> um, no. We can work with corrupt GPS, uh, but it's going to be extremely difficult to work with a corrupt uh, Islamist party who, who has a vision of Malaysia that is... But that happened until 2013, yep. until and 2016. This is where PAS is, has played an excellent game. They, so they had the long, you know, they had this long game plan, okay? Uh, and they are moving, of course, individuals at the apex of past had taken different, but it was past without any doubt wants to make Malaysia an Islamic state in their own conception. That's that's not it. So Farid No, sure. happy uh, to work with, sure. and many people liked Farid No, uh, Ustad Fadil No, sorry, uh, Ustad Fadil, the late Ustad Fadil, Fadil. No. My apologies, yeah. Fadil, um, yeah. Uh, so he, he, and in fact, PAS provided the basis for many of those demonstrations. The, the unit AMAL was, was central to, you know, organizing. So, so PAS played an important role. But then after 99, uh, when they did well, uh, they, they took a particular direction under uh, uh, Ustad Hadi Awang. And it seems, you know, it, it's not just uh, non-Muslims. You know, he has purged the moderates from past. You know, 
Mat Sabu, same what you want. He was a past loyalist. And then the language that Ustaz Fadil, uh, Ustaz yeah. Hadi Awang is using against him. Nick Omar, such a decent guy. The kind of language, the curse that Ustaz right. uh, Hadi Awang is using against him. So it's not just that non-Muslims find uh, Ustaz Hadi Awang difficult. But, 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 but you see, if, if that is the case still since 1999, why was Anwar NDAP happy to work with them? It seems like even the, the opposition towards PAS, it seems like a no, no. post hoc thing rather than... Because if it no, was all the way about, princi about principles, yeah. then that now, coalition so shouldn't tomorrow, have been there in the I'll first place. This, if tomorrow they replace uh, Hadi Awang with a moderate... Let's say the Trangganu Menteri Besar becomes the, the, the PAS uh, leader. <laughs> PAS will sure. be in government. And, and DAP will have no problems uh, working with. So it's not PAS... But the AP worked with PAS under Hadi Awang. So, so this is what I didn't understand. No, Hadi Awang was the president. He was not using the languages, the language he has used in recent times. You know, so he, he you know, talk about uh, a lead. Okay, secular leaders. Hadi Awang became president in 2002 it, of PAS, yes, right? Yes, in 1999, and, he as a... Uh, as the chief minister of right. Ganu, he, he, he took right. uh, Malaysia uh, pass in a particular way. Yes, uh, there were. Yes. And they were still in Pakatan Rakyat. I think, think you guys all forget later. the critical role that Toguru Nik Aziz has played in all of this. One. Secondly, there were a group of key past leaders like Mat Sabu, like Salayuddin, uh, so many of them were also a critical part Mujahid. of the Mujahid. idea of, of past Mujahid. Yeah. So, so the, uh, yeah. the, these are critical factors in the structure of a political party. Yeah. So it's a political party, by the way. Let's not forget, huh? it's a political party, not a cult, not a religious yeah, yeah. group. It's so a political party. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Ken. That's precise. So, Hadi wants a particular vision of, of uh, past, but there were enough people, you know, which Hadi called uh, Bar Barua DAP, uh, that time part of past, who wanted a more moderate. Nick Omar says this most eloquently, the, the son of uh, the late. That, mm. that the way of working, how Muslims yeah. should work with non-Muslims. There is no doubt that Muslims will be the leader, right. but there is a way of working with non-Muslims. Which Hadi, yeah, right. up to 2013, I think he was curtailed by this sort of moderate, you know, what became Amana, uh, moderate forces. Um, um, Husa Musa, also one of them. And yeah, since these moderates have gone out, Hadi has taken, but he seems to have been, rep, uh, you know, he's been vindicated. Um, Pass has done so well. So I, I, I don't know how, how, past will, will, will flow, but mm -hmm. yes, the ability to work right, with right. Uh, different political parties, especially for the most secular type political parties, is, is they are not an issue. There is an idea of Malaysia, uh, you know, certainly Muslims are the leaders, but there, are, there is a role for non-Muslims. And finding that balance 
you know, we can, I think non-Muslim political parties or, or, you know, the secular type political parties can work with them and pass needs to, to decide how they want to go. What, what you're describing seems like the Barista National oh, Consultation. Absolutely. Uh, it's elite. Oh, oh, so you would be comfortable with that? A Malay-led multiracial coalition. You, you. It's Pakatan Harapan, not a Malay-led. <laughs> you know, look at the cabinet. <laughs> you know, DAP is the, the strongest party in Pakatan Harapan. Yet, what, how many yeah. seats? We, non-Muslims have no illusion how Malaysia should be governed. We have no illusion. I guess what, like what uh, right. Jason okay. is saying, that, but there is like a limit, love, and pass. Mm. There is a the, limit. The, the, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. Yes, you want to comment on that? Yeah, there is a limit as long as I think for non for non Malay Muslims is, is that do not totally discount the representation in, in federal government. I mean, they would right, like. Right. This, I mean, one of the things right. that they say is, why can't we go back to Tunku's days where senior ministers, at least one or two right. senior ministership be in the hands of or non malay muslims yeah, either, the first two yeah, finance go, ministers go, were chinese you know? so you know they were saying what what's wrong with that you know if if the guy can do the job he can you know tidy up country's finances it's all about meritocracy Absolutely. you know that it, it, it's never been about Absolutely. race despite what people think although you know if you talk right. about the the kopitiam uncle that's a different story okay i can't vouch for that okay but my, my point <laughs> is that there is a limit you know like Greg's pointed out, they right. they had, they are the strongest member in the coalition. Why aren't they given more positions? But DAP knew that you know this is this will always be a Malay Muslim-led government. So let them take the lead, but let us share in the prosperity. That's fine. With that yeah, you know. Do, do, do you think that uh, that actually it's 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 mm. a, a bit of a sidetrack? But I've always wondered about this. If DAP goes down this road. Will the DAP turn I, into the MCA? I one think I think you all also by the Chinese shouldn't forget MCA. many lessons were learned in the great flame out of Pakatan Harapan version one, 2018 mm -hmm. to 2020. And DAP leadership definitely learned from that and is reflected right. in all the statements right. and the politics Absolutely. that occurred yep. post yep. 2020. So yep. let's not forget a bit about Absolutely. that. There is context to why it happens the way it does now. That's right. That's right. That's right. I think right, Kian right, answered half of my question. Yeah, that, yeah. That's half of the question. And, you know, that's part of it. The other thing is that there is a fear. Okay, there is a fear that DAP will turn into the MCA. Definitely. Definitely. Because you can see it overwhelming the Chinese. Oh, yes. So people are talking, talking about this, you think? Yes, from what from I from what what caught, people yeah, okay. say, you know, we, we do not know to see another... MCA, as you know, the, the joke I made about what the Chinese are calling MCA, right? So yeah, um, yeah. The, the, it's just that <laughs> they also so they are also looking at Anwar Ibrahim. They said, well, if Anwar wants to do all the reform, us, fine, we'll support him. We'll support him. But now that he's in power, is he going to abandon that? And when he abandons that, is DAP going to go down, uh, go down the Titanic with him right, or right. not? You know. Um, so there, there is a, a a cautious optimism. Uh, among the among at least actually at least in the Chinese right? and also the, the the Indian community who supports DAP and also the coalition the Pakistan government there is a cautious uh, uh, I would say optimism but yet as I said the moment the moment 
I'm talking about DAP now, right? The moment DAP, you know, forgot, forgets the, the lesson as what Tian Kuan and out and start pulling their weight like last time, there, you, there, go, there, goes, there goes the neighborhood, right? I mean, if you all remember what happened right. in the, the Gerakan, right? Nobody came right. about it, right? That, that, that's, Absolutely. That's yeah. also... Yeah. A, 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 a history might repeat itself. Again, I'm, I'm pessimist, right? So the history might repeat itself. And so the, the, the biggest right. okay. worry is that despite everything that Anwar has talked about before he became Prime Minister, it's hardly you hear him hardly say the word reformacy. And that's people are paying attention to that. Yeah, so... so, so oh, wow. Yeah, um, Wow, great. Yeah. Can I... Now, so this is from talking to some of the DAP political aides and also uh, Rafizi a long time ago and Akmal Naseh. So, now. Name drop. Uh, don't know whether they have changed. Okay, so this okay, was yeah. a long, long time ago <laughs> when they were willing to travel to ANU to give talks to students. <laughs> and now you can't even say. <laughs> I, know, I spoke were, to him in Melbourne <laughs> in 2016. Even 10 people listen to them. <laughs> so, right. now, so, the, so there, is a, there is an idea of Malaysia elite, so consociational model. Now, consociational model requires, uh, you know, there are four areas of autonomy. One of them, you know, forget all four, but respecting right. cultural rights. And when, when one of the parties right. veto, you know, it is a veto. Um, and Barisan National, through the strength of AMNO, you know, collapsed that model. Uh, some say uh, at Tun Razak's time, uh, with, with the creation of Barisan National, uh, but certainly, uh, as Amno became powerful under Mahade and Anwar, uh, you know, uh, so that's why the hatred. Now, one thing about PH as a structure, DAP is either stronger than PKR or, you know, at 2018, they were slightly less than uh, PKR. Now they are stronger than PKR. So, you know, it's really hard to yeah. ignore when, when you are a bigger party. Because MCA and MIC, even at their height, were nowhere close to AMNO. Um, MCA and right. MIC needed AMNO to win. DAP doesn't really need PKR to right. win. They, they, they have their bastions. Now, this is the interesting about DAP, uh, especially Chin Tong and, and I believe Anthony Lok. They, have, they are moving away from a Chinese-based party, and I understand there's a tussle in the heart of DAP, whether it's a Chinese-based party or a middle-class party. Uh, so the Chin Tong, the, the Ken Mings, the Tony Poas, uh, Yo Bi Bin, the uh, Hannah Yo, they are the middle class. So, so the centrist party, we are not here about the Chinese community, we are here about middle-class Malaysia. And if you want better education, we are here for you. If you want better utilities, we are here for you. So that's why they are very strong in the urban area. And as, as Malays modernize, and of course, there are nuances in the Malay community. Some say being more conservative. Some say, you know, what modernization should do, you know, policy-based, evidence-based, deliberative democracy. Um, so, so that... <clears throat> In that way, uh, DAP is curtailed from becoming MCA structurally. Okay, they, 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 are, not, they are not MCA right. in Barisan National. 
they are right, a right. very different political party in uh, in pakatan harapan <clears throat> and got it their rejection of cabinet minister's post very politely in in my in, in my understanding yes lessons learned but also they are confident that they can get what middle class malaysia wants delivered through this unity government okay and we see that through the kind of policy work that is being done not only through dap but uh chinhuat's uh, constitutional electoral reforms trisha yo's uh, uh, you know institutional reforms cfos right. uh, governance reforms so what what in uh, in a liberal democracy is where you remove the politics and you move towards uh, formulas you know where policy making is not of course there will always be the aji baji what who should get what but the more you can move towards yeah. formulas the less politics and and of course formulas are then more representative so i'm not interested it's not so much which race gets what but now moving towards class and this ties in with what rafizi said aeons ago that pkr has to be a class based right. but but this is also and this is also a very middle class <laughs> world view right this is not necessarily <laughs> the world view where, where we we talk about moving for race i mean i i share those perspectives as well when said sadik came on i asked him about re- replacing uh, race based affirmative action with class based affirmative action and essentially you'll get the same beneficiaries anyway right but politically that is a hard sell right to to get that to move away from that um now i think the ap has done the smart move of going to the background uh because of the lesson learned uh, and also they realized i want one of the interesting things when i asked jian chua he said that even as a chinese opposition mp because he was from pkr he didn't get the same level of vitriol from uh, as his dap counterparts did because there is just a level of stigma associated with uh with dap politicians about their anti islamic rhetoric uh, in the past and so on but we have sort of dap has sort of moved away from guan eng and kit siang and i say this cautiously right they have sort of started moving away from uh from those right so maybe they can shed that image slowly as we go along yeah. um would you guys agree with that can uh, yeah yeah sure i think i think the, the uh, what uh, greg is saying is correct that dap is very consciously more middle class now it's by a function of its urban spread its urban bastions uh and it it cuts across the traditional racial religious line uh there's no, no question of that and the other thing is it just i guess in a way uh reflects or reinforces my earlier point which was that you know um we obsess a little about civil society and civil society effectively is middle class and what thereafter they don't really care who's in power as long as a particular type of policy development policy implementation can be done so so as a result if it is anwar you know in power with amno who cares does it result in the policy we want to dig us out of what is our hole i mean the other thing we have to remember here a great majority of people uh, in urban and beyond urban areas and don't forget malaysia is about 70% urban by the way a great number 
for people uh, have been badly affected by about what 50% of the economy close to service sector the last few years smashed jobs have been smashed okay people want to get back to some sort of pre-pandemic sort of prosperity if possible and a lot of people are heavily in debt um it if anything i, I think it's increasingly clear and coming out through some of the analysis and evidence of G15 it is actually a very economy driven election result as well uh over and above this so-called green wave business that people keep talking about and i and i think the, the earlier point i was saying about you know our obsession and focus on civil society i think is really a, a thing a, a question that we should consider that people are being pragmatic they don't care so much about the betrayal the big b betrayal part many people are wary about the small b betrayal sure but as far as they're concerned they want results they want results yesterday right of course that's hard to come by but they want something to deal with the very real economic pain that's occurring now and as a result if this is a government that can negotiate better policy then this is the better one and i think people lacked faith in a past perikatan government for policy development So okay so were there were there significant numbers of middle class Malays that voted for perikatan and pas So I think yeah I think it's a mix though that one so uh, but the, we, we, So so if that is true then maybe that doesn't jive with depends what where said, right I think no I, so I maybe think the really depends part, where you're talking about which seat which region Yeah so Okay how how would that how would that matter in different regions I guess in in if the basis for the argument is that it's ultimately about economy not about race and religion that has been hyped up and the middle class Malays who voted for perikatan even the younger Malays who voted for perikatan and pas it's a pro- what explains their this is the thing who do you protest against um we I think I think there's broad widespread acceptance that part of the woes of Malaysia since G14 time and before has been because of uh, an unhindered alleged kleptocracy right scandal mm-hmm. corruption equals amno fairly or unfairly and so as a result yeah. who do you protest against so we saw this and i think there's enough consensus in the analysis of GE14's vote why did pass sweep so much of the east coast and northern states in GE14 not this one the GE14 because it was a protest vote now sure but in in a protest vote there's still a who to can, vote for not just a vote yeah, again now now you got more options yeah yes. sorry great yeah uh, i right. like to tie this right. your earlier question about demonization uh, and and who to vote for i think malaysia can claim the record of being uh, the first to be uh, using fake news <laughs> in a campaign uh mahade putting the photograph of tanku razali wearing the kadazan uh, headgear which 
happened to have a cross on it. That was an election where everyone thought, uh, so PBS betrayed um, Barisan National, <laughs> uh, did a deal with DAP. After the seats were allocated, oh, a betrayal. <laughs> so this demonizing of, of the Chinese community as represented to bad Chinese DAP, good Chinese MCA. Right. Okay. Be MCA, like MCA, yeah. don't be like DAP. Okay. Don't don't <laughs> challenge this this conception of Malaysia that we have. Okay. The correct conception of right. Malaysia for non-Muslims follow MCA. Don't follow DAP. Now, because the the competitors are now. Muslims, or DAP is now a sideshow. Uh, so, the, so again, Mahadev again, how he demonized Anwar. Okay, the the, the use of government machinery to destroy uh, Anwar's uh, uh, image. Now, it could be true, it could not, or it could be untrue. We do not know because we cannot trust the institutions that were used to 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 demonize uh, sure. uh, now I, I as i said there is an idea of malaysia and that this is a muslim country and malays should lead let's not be naive about this okay a malay a malay uber you know blood and and soil uh, government can deliver to the uh, according to the majority of Muslims, okay? And there might be some minorities who also believe. Sarawak, GPS had no problem believing in that uh, Malay blood and right. soil uh, government can deliver that included pass. So, and, and perhaps that says something about our institution, no, our public sector is commendable, uh, you know, our institution, no, despite, right, right. perhaps it's taking a, a a, next, a regressive trajectory, but you know, you will not say Malaysia is a failed state. The, the no, government no, no, administration no, no, no. delivers. All right. So, right. And this was our discussion around uh, whether identity was important with Bridget Welch's uh, article. Yes, it is important. But the issue is whether it's a Pakatan Harapan government or a PN government, they both can deliver. And I, the earlier aggregate data suggests that yes, Malay Muslims chose Perikatan National to be their representative. Okay. Now, we, we, we will need a bit more time to, to, there are propositions on how this has happened. But I, I do not believe uh, that Malay Muslims today, you know, post-racial no, in fact, I, I believe it's the converse, and I don't have any negative normative values around this. So the process of Islamization in, in Malaysia has socialized Muslims to believe that a good leader is a Muslim leader. Okay, you know, uh, in the US, a, Christ, a white Anglo-Saxon Christian will believe only a white, no matter what Barack Obama did, he is not a good leader. Okay. So there's nothing or in Australia, Scott Morrison for evangelicals, you know, can do no wrong. So let's not take, a, take away from, and, and this is that structure and path dependence, I say, we are moving towards a more conservative Muslim nation. Uh, 
I had no illusions about that. <laughs> and in my, you know, this unity government is perhaps an aberration to what perhaps the people of Malaysia or at least the significant people of Malaysia as the electoral system deems important have decided. Now, if you want a better representation of Malaysia, the electoral system has to change because it now favors uh, conservative Muslims in all areas that change. So the way change to what? Oh, Chinhuan has done. Oh, there's so much of, you know. The, oh, so. Also, you're talking about the malapportionment and so, gerrymandering, you know, basically, uh, right? But yeah, keep the first part uh, of course. That's not my area of expertise. Yeah, but yeah, okay. The current system, right, right, okay, is not representative of, you know, if if it sure. was distributed sure, sure. more yeah, equally, definitely. perhaps PH would have already gained, you know, like uh, they they have seats hundred thousand, Wong Chen seat two three thousand, you know, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, those it's crazy, address, yeah. perhaps Pakatan yeah. Harapan would have won flat out, you know, like didn't even need a coalition, uh, didn't need right. to go with Barisan National. So so this is the, the bigger, the more fundamental questions around the path that we have taken as a nation. Do we want to reform this to become a more equal nation, a more representative nation? Uh, you know, what type of pluralism are we looking for? You know, you know, benign Islam. How how will it, how will the benign Islamic government look like? Uh, so these are the more deeper questions. Maybe. But to address that idea around demonizing, we need laws. You know, the kind of things that Malaysians get away with is is you know it doesn't make the competition equal. Uh, it, you know, people can only make good decisions right. if they have good information. Uh, if they're getting wrong, fails, misleading, right. slander. Uh, you know, they can't make good decisions based on that. That has to be addressed. Okay, so we've gone for uh, 18 minutes already. So sorry about that. So any final words from, from all three of you? So let's start with Jason, Ken, then, I, uh, then Greg. Jason? I think what Greg said just now about having laws, having institutionalized things, certain things like, you know, slander and racial attacks, you know. I mean, we, we probably won't have something like hate laws in the U.S. to stop that because then again, hate laws doesn't do much in the U.S. anyway. I mean, they've been thrown around. But I think something similar to that, to stop all this, will be very, very uh, a good start to, to limit the kind of betrayal and, and hatred going on. Um, so far as... Uh, Something like Singapore, basically. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Let's not go crazy about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. It's okay. It's not a competition. But I think my point is, you know, there, there should be there should be some some check and balance of this, or at least something to 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 control human beings. I mean, going back to 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 what we said at the beginning, you know, this is. The, this is a betrayal. I mean, Malaysian people have been betrayed too many times until I think I think we, we all we all thick skin to the point that oh well it's, it's gonna be we, we're less, right, right yeah we ex as I said, we expect, expect the other yeah. shoe to drop. But what kind, what's the next betrayal is gonna come right? And it, many many may may think that I'm I'm pessimistic, but actually they are doing the same thing. They are waiting for it. So so I think yes, some check and balance. And and I think this new government, I don't think it's an aberration. I think it's an experiment. Malaysia itself is, a, is an experiment, to be honest. If, if mm. you look at the history, because, mm. you know, the, the British, okay, right. maybe I'm jumping on 
on, on my on my historical background. The British did not expect Malaya to survive long enough. They they were expected to re, to come back, intervene, and make it into a protectorate of autonomy. That's what was the plan. Malayan Union was rejected, and then they're waiting for it to, to, to sort of fail. They keep the name Federation, but they are the one running it. So, you know, then again, again this is a, a a a new a new a new direction that nobody expected. That I think I was expecting. To be honest, I expected Ekata and Bas to run the country, and then then we have. Anwar in power, so I I hope that my 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 negativity doesn't come true, but I'm not surprised it happened. So long right. story short, let's see how how it goes. Yeah. Right. The the good thing about being a pessimist is is you are either correct or you are happy, right? So either way. <laughs> Thank you, Wallet, for putting yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Let's hope yeah, you'll be again, happy so and not yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ken? <laughs> oh, Ken? I, I think, you know, the second chance, unlikely it might be after the first chance of 2018, is to, you know, implement as many worthwhile institutional reforms as Malaysia can do. Um, and you would have a better chance in a so-called unity government that purportedly has nearly a two-thirds majority than you would have had previously in the last two, you know, post-pandemic right. governments. So I think, you know, it merits a cautious optimism because what is your alternative? The, the other thing is that um, this can only last if uh, the goods are delivered uh, in terms of the economic uh, repair that needs to happen for a lot of people. Uh, and it's a critical task, and I don't think they have a honeymoon period at all. This new government, they need to start showing signs of doing something uh, as soon as you know Raya or Chinese New Year comes along. What What's a low hanging fruit for you in terms well, of this I, well, institutional? Reform? Well, I, I think one thing they, can... they they are trying to do is redirect the whole subsidy culture, subsidy economy be more targeted on that. bit hard and tricky, though. Um, the other thing that they're doing the right signaling for but need to run much harder with delivering the goods on are uh, issues of food sustainability, food inflation. They have now a food security minister, right, more or less. I think it's in the title. Right. So there, there are issues like, like that. And, of course, you know, people's uh, housing and extremities of climate and the issues of that. So th those are, right. to me, a lot of, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit like that. And in some ways, some of it right, was right. curtailed in the 2018-2020 government. They could bring that back. So I, 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 I'm not sure. Uh, the other thing, or one last thing, is um, actually do more serious implementation and rolling out of the parliamentary select committee, in which, if they were smart about it, uh, would be one way to employ the time of a lot of folks who otherwise might be preoccupied with plotting. Right, right Develop right. some policy. I mean, okay. th this is, oh, to me, a, a politically smart way to do it. That's right. That's some Machiavellian <laughs> thinking right there. Uh, but effective, in a good way, sure. in a good way. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. And I think the inflation thing, it will be a huge... Uh, I, I suspect that will be the issue in 
the Singapore election as well. This is a worldwide issue, right? But but especially in Malaysia, especially the food they security, have to that is so, don't forget so six and, state elections coming up in Malaysia. Uh, critical exactly. factors here. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So thank you. Great. Just a shout out to civil society. Um, uh, so you know, in Penang, actually the civil society is very critical of uh, the Penang state government. Uh, you know, Sahabat yep. Allah mm. Malaysia, the, the 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 double the sec I forget there is a, a several uh, infrastructure pro major infra that civil society is dead again, but because the Penang the DAP government is so strong, they have so in effect they have become gerakan uh, in in uh, in Penang. Okay, mm. so shout out to civil society given the constraints that, that they are operating in, uh, they have been vocal. Okay, and, and it, this is also the case across Malaysia. Uh, you know, you know, ideas uh, for uh, uh, the, the electoral reform, uh, the anti-death penalty, there are uh, civil society, uh, the labor movements, uh, they are doing their part. Okay, but they operate in a, in a very, cons you know, the con Constraints against them is 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 uh, unbelievable. So so they are approaching that. Now coming back to my need <laughs> structure path dependence critical <laughs> juncture. Now uh, so again the idea is up to 2018 the institutions were in equilibrium, but the foundations of those in, uh, institutions were moving, uh, and those sitting at the top didn't realize it, and then it it it, it fell, um, mm. and it. It is continuing to move. So, and why I say uh, uh, I'm not confident that this administration will last is because the ground is still moving. The, the institutions haven't found their, their balance yet. And that will come through, through the APEX okay. leaders, these veto players talking to each other and finding what is the new rules of the game. Ken mentioned the Six state elections. Now, if Perikatan National wins, <laughs> what will happen? Okay, what you know? How will how will that translate to the federal government? So, th so this you know, these are critical critical issues. Now, the challenge that um, Prime uh, Prime Minister Anwar PM10 is facing is he knows that. To stay in power, he needs to use patronage, but he, he also knows mm. how tenuous using patronage is. He's seen Najib for all his power and resources, what has happened to him. And, and Tansri Mohidin also has seen, you know, for all the power and resources, you know, what was the citadel, you know, once he became a prime minister, it was like a fortress. It, it's no longer true, you know. It, the all-powerful executive is no longer the case because not only is movements happening in the political parties, but on the ground through uh, uh, there is movement. So I, I'm not able to, to, to say what are the low-hanging fruits um, because they're going to have to be selective. He, PM10 is sending the right signals. But but you know underneath that behind the media, 
lots of messy things are happening. Uh, lots of terrible things will need to happen because you have to placate all these warlords. Otherwise, they are going right. to uh, undermine you. So, uh, as uh, PM, uh, was that Mahade 8? Or was it? Kita tunggu dan lihat. Thank you so much, uh, Greg, Ken, and Jason. You know, Singaporeans have a love-hate yep. relationship with Malaysia. But, you know, deep down, we, we always uh, mean well for Malaysia. It's, you know, I just came back from Malaysia. I love Malaysia. I love Malaysians, the nicest people in the world. Nicest food in the world, unfortunately, I have to say. We, 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 we can be, we can be <laughs> and, you know, typically uncertain because we are an uncertain nation. It's yeah. been the long-standing issue. The indeed, notion indeed. of a nation Indeed. still to be crafted yeah. right i think right and i think the the resilience of malaysians right and in spite of everything as greg said malaysia is not a failed state like if you look at the move, movements of the government you would expect it to be right in fact even before the sabah election malaysia was handling covid really well which is testament almost without a government right and it is testament to the to, uh, to the civil servants oh, and no, the healthcare system. Sorry, Jason. You're remembering something, a friend of mine who, who does a bit of research on Malaysia, he says, how do you survive in such a chaotic nation? I say, what? What What chaos? I say, you know, you have so many prime ministers. I say, what about right. Japan and Korea? And, all that? and what about Australia? Is that right. chaotic? I say, well, you know, you know I, I think it's, it's a whole yeah. perception. And you also, you're right. I mean, both Kian and Greg said, said it very succinctly. We are not a failed state. And then, and, and because of this, okay, maybe I should embrace the chaos and say that it makes us resilient. It makes us resilient, you know. And, right. and, and, and it, you know, again, you know, we, 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 I think we thrive in all this chaos, if you want to put it, on that, put it that way. And I, I look forward, I mean, despite my pessimism, I want to see what happens next. Let's say that. I want to see what happens next. I think, I think know, we can uh, be optimistic to be, you know, in in that little uh, anecdote of tales from the Kita Jaga Kita white flag, mm -hmm. black flag moment, there's a lot that tells you about Malaysia in those tales. Yes, I agree. I agree. We, we don't have the red, red shirt and, and yellow shirt. Thingy, but, I mean, not like that. The one in Thailand. Oh, right. Yeah. And, and even in spite of the religious rhetoric at the political level, the the quotidian interactions very. are very different, right? Very different from relations. Like people get along and people are just nice to each other generally and polite, you know. So I think there maybe there's more cause for optimism <laughs> than this. Uh, and maybe secretly he's more optimistic than he lets on. Also. But <laughs> right, right. <laughs> thank you so much, all three thank of you. It's been a pleasure. No, and sorry no, no, that no. we went. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks again.